you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life and another episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. And this is a super special episode. It is the birthday bonanza episode. We are on the opening day of season four, the birthday of This Osteopathic Life, which is also my birthday, my guest's birthday, and also our intro music has been composed by another birthday buddy, Audrey Mason, who's brought that forward. So so many amazing opportunities that we're going to celebrate together here today. I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Jessica Daigle, who is a pediatrician outside of Atlanta, Georgia, focusing on neonatal medicine. She is the founder and CEO of Mom and Me by Jess Daigle, MD, where she helps moms and their new babies transition from the hospital to home during the fourth trimester. And what a perfect day for this podcast. What a perfect day to have you on. And what a perfect topic, right? Birthing yes. people. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the theme right. of the moment. So thanks for being here. And please tell us your story. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So um, ever since I was small, I've always wanted to be a doctor that takes care of premature infants and, and babies. And um, when I was about 10 uh, years old, I I used to read a lot of books, you know, back then, that's when we actually went to the library. <laughs> but um, I, I stumbled across this book um, called um, The Long Dying of Baby Andrew. Mm. And it's actually like a, bibli- a bibliography of a family who wrote the story of their little premature baby and their mm. struggle with the decision around being heroic, like doing all this medical intervention versus letting him you know, be and and kind of die a peaceful death. And, you know, back then, this was like in the 70s, that was right when we were kind of on the cusp of surfactant, which is something that helps babies' lungs kind of mature a little bit better, which has revolutionized like mm-hmm. the uh, prenatal, I mean, the um, neonatal world um, in terms of helping uh, premature infants to survive a little longer, actually. Mm-hmm. And so um, I read that book and I was so intrigued, even at that age, about, about medical ethics and like mm-hmm. what is quality and versus quantity of life and what was the right thing. Like, you know, you have doctors who obviously you know, their oath is to save and to help. And then you have a family that also understands like, hey, I don't want to hurt my baby either, right? Mm-hmm. So that that pull and tug was fascinating to me. And I went to look up like, what is a neonatologist? Because that was like what they described the doctor to be. And that was a doctor that takes care of premature and sick infants. And I was like, man, that's what I want to do. And so mm-hmm. by that time, I, the internet was kind of coming up <laughs> as a thing too. So I went to Google and I found this website called Neonatology on the Web. And there's actually still a website today, which is fascinating how mm-hmm. long ago that was. I turned 38 today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so that was 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, 
But I and I read and I was like, you know what, this is what I have to do. And then so, you know, I started researching and trying to find out who does this so I can do it. And what are the steps that I need to take? And so fast forward, you know, I get into through medical school and in medical school, you know, I think everybody has this like, oh, maybe I could do something else. Or mm-hmm. you, know, you start thinking like, why am I closing myself off? Oh, that was just something when I was young. You know, you think, should you really still follow that path? Because, you know, you were young and where you just kind of thinking um, frivolously or something. And, and then I was like, P surgery, nah, and ENT, no. And it just came right back to it. Like when I got, went on my NICU rotations, I just felt in my zone, like that was yeah. where I was meant to be. And so fast forward to, to uh, now I'm working as a uh, NICU hospitalist um, and a newborn nursery doctor. And so mm-hmm. I take care of newborn babies and uh, premature babies every day. And I love mm-hmm. it. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love that, right? Sometimes we try to veer off the path and it pulls us back in. But it's the yeah. thing that you do, you know, it will bring you back there. Mm-hmm. And so tell me of how this expanded for you into this fourth trimester. Maybe tell our listeners who might not know what that means. We're like, wait a minute, there's only three. <laughs> I only signed up for no. three. Yeah, somebody, one of my friends was like, wait, is this something to do with school? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so the fourth yeah. trimester is considered those 12 weeks after mm-hmm. a mom has delivered her baby and it's part of that postpartum phase. And so, you know, when moms leave the hospital, we're always like, it's interesting. You think about that six weeks, everybody knows all mm-hmm. oh, six weeks and I got to be seeing my doctor and things like that, but it's actually a little longer. And it's because it's, uh, even though the mom has had a baby, she's still undergoing physical, emotional, spiritual, every system is still changing and recovering. And so um, in our country, we have a high incidence of more maternal and infant uh, morbidity and mortality, even compared Mm -hmm. to some other developed countries. And and it really boils down to that. That's that space of time where moms are kind of sort of forgotten, Mm -hmm. which is sad and heartbreaking because when someone's pregnant, it's like, oh, wait, they're pregnant. Like, you know, it's like almost like sanctified, you know, in a way. And then. It's like, as soon as you had the baby, it's like, okay, you should be able to go back to work now. Why are you complaining? You know, and it's mm-hmm. like all this, it's disrespectful, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. because this person is just, she's just birthed a human. Like, you have to mm-hmm. sit with that for a minute. And the responsibility <laughs> of that, like a whole person came out of you. Like, like mm-hmm. that is special and mm-hmm. it needs to be recognized as such. And so um, I see a lot of my moms and family struggle and a lot of anxiety and overwhelm because it's new, especially mm-hmm. as a new mom. And you don't really know what to expect. And they have books that say what to expect when you're expecting <laughs> all these things, but it's nothing like having somebody in the moment with you. Right. It's mm-hmm. like that community of, of that shared experience. There's nothing like that. Like that. And that's so important to us as as humans. Mm -hmm. And so um, I see these families in the hospital, but I miss the connection when they're discharged. And I'm like, but I still want to know like Mm -hmm. how they're doing. And so, but I've always still always had a heart towards baby. So I was like, how can I mesh like Mm -hmm. what my experience is in hospital with outpatient care and still um, focus on those moms during that period. And that's when I came, I came upon that as a, as a thing to do because mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd had this thought a few years ago and I was like, nobody's like going, doing home health, like doctor home health, like, you know, right, right. like nurses going to give medications or occupational or speech therapy or, 
usually therapy type stuff will right. is used to coming in the home, but it was almost like thinking back to old school doctors. Like mm-hmm. when the, that's what the doctors used to do. They used to come to your house and see you. And, right. and that was one of the things that actually attracted me to medicine too, was that, that that's a personal level to be in someone's home. Like somebody mm-hmm. invites you to their home, right? That's like, I trust mm-hmm. you and you know, you're my person, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I want to do. I, I want to, I want to be personalized with the people that I'm taking care of because I think it makes you a better doctor and person, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so walk us through, what does that look like for those who are you know, premature infants and coming through the NICU? And also I imagine lots of those same challenges happen, even if we are with the term delivery, you know, in that space. So do you work with both of those yeah. you know, situations? Yes, I would would like to work with both. I've often struggled on like, do I need to focus on one or the other? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't like to exclude anyone. It makes me feel like I'm excluding someone if I don't, because I work with both every day, like mm-hmm. term babies and and NICU babies. So I see mm-hmm. both of those moms in those family settings. So I ideally, I would like to be able to to help and serve both. Um, what's interesting is it's it's going to be a little different because a term. Uh, family will go home usually within two, you know, two days mm-hmm. of delivering the baby on average, unless there's right. some where the mom has to stay in the hospital or the baby needs to be mm-hmm. treated for something like jaundice or something like that. Mm-hmm. On average, in two to three days, uh, a term baby will be at back at home with the mom. But a preterm infant, depending on how early they were born, it can be some months. Mm-hmm. And um, I, recently I came across an article um, or like a post of a mom who was crying because she had to go back to work while her baby was still in the NICU. And mm-hmm. that's the reality for a lot of these moms. And they feel a, a sense of abandonment towards yeah. the baby. So I, I always have to help my families through that. Like, you know, hey, we're standing in the gap for you. Again, that community, like we know that you have responsibility and that's part of taking care of your kid too, is mm-hmm. going and making a living and making sure you have what you need to be able to feed them and care for them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would imagine in that instance, I would extend it to them. Like once their baby comes home, help them transition then like at that period, because while they're still in the hospital, they still have oversight, right? The pre- mm-hmm. At least the NICU ones do like, we're there as the doctors and the staff and the therapists. But a lot of times when these moms are bringing these babies home, there's still that anxiety and fear. Like, yeah. are they going to, you know, have any problem with SIDS? You know, like, mm-hmm. am I going to wake up and find my baby dead in the crib or the bassinet because they were mm-hmm. preterm? Um, uh, or am I feeding them right? Are they going to grow well? What about development? So it's still all those concerns. So I had a thought to um, try to come up with like a follow-up development a clinic too. Mm-hmm. So all kinds of ideas. Yes places that I feel like this can go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's such an interesting thought too, because I know we'll have friends who have had babies come to the NICU in hundred days, right? Many, many days that they spend there. But that idea too, and for me, I went home within 24 hours with each of my deliveries, thankfully didn't have any complications, but that's abrupt as well, right? You go from, <laughs> yeah. I had a baby and I'm home. What yeah. do I do now? And you're just there in this void. And like you mentioned, historically in other countries, they send people to your home they do. to help check on you. And what do you see as some of the common concerns that come up for you? If you had to say, like, what do moms reach out to you with that they think are unique to them and maybe problematic for them and actually are quite normal concerns to have when you first arrive home with this baby and you're not quite sure what to do? One of the biggest ones is uh, our big top two are feeding and sleep. And so um, with breastfeeding, especially, um, that's always a little bit of a struggle because one, like you mentioned, you're often um, sent out 
that door now mm-hmm. now they're all they're trying to hurry up and get you out of the mm-hmm. hospital I can't tell you the number of times when I go to see someone and the OB's already got a discharge in on the mom mm-hmm. I'm like did she get up and walk yet? Like, <laughs> do we know that she's going to be able to take care mm-hmm. of the baby? Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes I push it. I'm like, no, they need another day. They need another day. Because the first day, they're usually trying to recover from pain medicine or different things. Yeah. And they haven't even participated sometimes in the care of the baby. A lot mm-hmm. of the nurses have gone in and tried to help and assist with feeding. But back to breastfeeding, a lot of centers don't really even have lactation help even in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you're relying on um, nurses who are may or may not have been trained in lactation medicine. And so sometimes that can be a discouraging factor um, because sometimes I see it in my own hospital. People rush to, if they're mm-hmm. not latching, where are they a little sleepy? Oh, just give them some formula instead of understanding the natural progression of how breastfeeding works. And so it ends up being an education that's missing, which then leads to frustration, right? When you don't feel like you know something or understand something, you get frustrated and then you don't want to kind of deal with it anymore. And that's like most things. And so I always, I'm, I'm on this mission to dispel this uh, ideology around things like, like if you always see the end of a thing, it's always what's portrayed. So when you see breastfeeding, you see the nice pictures of the baby latched and the mom is smiling down on the baby mm-hmm. and it looks perfect, but that's not how it starts. <laughs> and so we're doing people a disservice because when they don't get the baby, if the baby doesn't just latch on right away or mm-hmm. don't seem to have a lot of milk or just the, the colostrum is not what they thought it should be, then they get discouraged and then it's a downward spiral from there because mm-hmm. we are promoting more breastfeeding. And for some moms, it's it's a sense of failure yeah. if they can't do it. And they really internalize that because, right, like feeding your, your baby only have a few things to do when they come home, like mm-hmm. eat, sleep, pee, and, and feed. Mm-hmm. And, and keep that cycle going. And so you feel like, man, I, I can't even feed my baby. Like mm-hmm. that's like the basics of caring for them. Right. And then you you extrapolate that and, and project that onto everything else. And yeah. then, you know, and then already you're already undergoing hormonal changes and you're already worried just when you get home. Are you going to do the right thing? So don't let anything go wrong. Right. Then that just mm-hmm. reinforces that negative thought and feeling or concern that you are already having. So I'm on this mission to like, no, no, like these are normal. Let's, let's talk about normalizing and strategizing. That's my new mm-hmm. thing. We're going to normalize it. And, but we're going to come up with a strategy for how to get past it and move from being stuck to unstuck. Yes, absolutely. And even in the best case scenario, it's tough, right? It's painful. It <laughs> it's you're like, you're all, like think of anything yeah. else. You have to be up all the time, mm-hmm. like around the clock, like any, any, any other job, you at least have a period off. That's why I say motherhood is on the job training. Like, you don't get no, no, no you're, there's no apprenticeship. You yes. don't get internship. Mm-hmm. Nobody says, hey, let's make sure you can do this job. You have a baby the job is yours, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so um, you need support in a system like that. So it's on the job training. So what do you need on the job training? You need a guide. That's what mm-hmm. I want to be. The mom's guide, their support, yeah. the cheerleader, their friend, whatever they need. Somebody to fuss at them if they need to. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, you know, that tough love. That, that's what I want to be, that person. Mm-hmm. So at the end of it, they can just like laugh and smile at themselves. I was working with um, a client and um, she was very, very anxious. And, and then uh, like maybe it had a rash or something. And so we were working through it. And then I said, 
girl, I'm have to send you a care package when your baby gets his first cold because I don't know how she can handle that. I told her, you're going to be running up in the daycare fussing at people talking about who gave your baby a cold. <laughs> and she like laughed and laughed and it made me feel so good because she she was like, man, I needed that laugh because she thought about it like, you're in for a ride, right? Kids yeah. do all kinds of stuff and stuff happen. You can do your very best to like shield them from things mm-hmm. and then it, you can do all you can and things will still happen. And so I think it's just understanding that. And then again, community, somebody else going to be like, girl, you think that's something my baby did X, Y, and Z. And then they're going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's just all of you us. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so powerful, right? Just to be able to have somebody acknowledge, yep, it's tough and it's going to be okay. Those are just some powerful spaces. And to have an expert in that role, I think is so amazing. And so many times, like you said, we we put that into, you know, other spaces, ancillary staff and nursing. And that's amazing. Great to have those supports. But to have a physician reach out is really high value. What response have you had from those you've worked with to know that they have a doc on their side? Oh, it's been it's been fun. Like they've sent me um, they've sent me like little clips and things. And and I've tried posted it on social media. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. all me too. like I just only joined social media last year. <laughs> <laughs> but I've already been helping people in this space for a long time. Um, and so it's just really that they they spoken to uh, the reassurance and the mm-hmm. encouragement, um, which is when I when I thought about myself when I'm at work, like what I enjoy the most. It is that educating and counseling and reassuring my families, because this this parenthood thing is hard mm-hmm. and it's an ongoing thing. So, you know, some things you have a finite moment, right? You're like, okay, I got to run. I say, I'm going to run for 15 minutes. You know, there's an end to that. You mm-hmm. almost have the mindset to be able to push yourself to that point. But motherhood is an extension. It's, it's, on, it's forever. Yeah. There is no finish line. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to work on the acceptance and the adjustment within yourself. And it just, it came to me like, this is a mindset thing too. Like who, what kind of parent you want to be. And then like how to set yourself up to be the kind of parent that you want to be, you know, and, mm-hmm. and understanding is going to be like hills and valleys. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, and then understanding about yourself then helps you to prepare your children two for life because that is how life will be too ups and downs and so mm-hmm. just just taking that um being mindful and being in the moment of that I've only started coming to terms and learning about mindfulness and being yeah. in the moment and it's really something that's important for all of us because we're always either reaching or we either feel like we're missing it or reaching if we're always like in those two spaces we're never just present mm-hmm. and, and that comes with its own overwhelm and anxiety yeah absolutely and I think that with kids, because we immediately see, right, their graduation day and their wedding day. And instead it's like, no, let's just be here yeah, <laughs> right yeah. now with this baby. And yeah. you mentioned the other of the top two is sleep and you know, how there is no rest really in those early days. And so how do yeah. you help normalize that? Because babies, okay. of course, sleep all different ways, right? Some yes, they sleep do. well and some never sleep at all. Yes, they <laughs> how do you do. help them walk so- that path? So what has become clear to me, I remember when I was before I had kids, I used to say this to people, too. And this like sleep when your baby sleeps. And I realized how much of a fallacy of a statement that is, because it really depends on the support system that the mom has at home. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, back when that probably could be because a lot of for a lot of families, people really often had their babies in their home environments, like where all their family live. Mm-hmm. And so people can come in and 
and do things while you are sleeping, you know, and, 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 but now some people like me, when I had my kids, it was just me and my husband and my kids. Like mm-hmm. we lived out, my mom was back in Louisiana and our family and we were in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so when, when my kids were asleep, that was the only time I felt like I could do anything else. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is the time I can throw some dinner on or, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I need to throw on that laundry that I said I was going to do or, oh, okay, wait, I need to sit up and pay these bills because life is still going on when you have the baby. It doesn't like stop and give you like a period to mm-hmm. have the baby and like everything else can freeze outside of you. Right. Like your responsibilities are still ongoing. And so when it comes to the sleep, I would say um, my, I, I try to advise them to have some support if the, if there is like say in the spouse or the partner or a friend or someone that can come and help kind of tend to the baby mm-hmm. for a little bit, then get, get some sleep during that time. So they can sleep when the baby is asleep. If they've arranged for other things to be taken uh, um, care of, right. Fight that like, okay, well I've had some good friends that's bringing me some meals over so I don't have to worry about cooking. So that time I would have done that. I'm going to go ahead and take a nap. Um, if a mom is, and, and I always tell people to figure out what your situation is going to be in terms of even returning to work. So like for me, I knew I was going to be going back to work. So I, when I was breastfeeding, I was also pumping and storing. And so sometimes when I was really tired, I would allow my husband to warm up a bottle of milk mm-hmm. and feed that to my baby. So I can get at least like five hours in, he right. would be able to do like a two two stints. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is the first, probably first month, it is going to be a lot of short naps mm-hmm. and just kind of tuck into that. But then as the baby gets a little bit older and is able to go a little bit longer too within periods of time, then you are able to kind of start getting back on a little bit of a schedule. But mm-hmm. even then, as you pointed out, some kids are, are, are all over the place. Like my mm-hmm. son was a really good sleeper. My daughter, I think she just only started being able where I felt like she'll sleep through the night at <laughs> She's two two years old. That's about the time she did it. And so, um, you know, Dr. Funke will get me, but we (laughs) talked about this, like, sleep training. She hates that word, but, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all out there. And it's it's all these sleep consultants and all this, this and that. And the reality is, it's just really going to have to see what works for your family. Mm -hmm. And that's the case with a lot of it. And, And that's one of my big education pieces, too. That's one of the things that stresses moms out is that they compare their situation to others. So especially right. with this social media, they're on there and then they're like, well, why did so-and-so's baby able to do X, Y, and Z and mine didn't? And it's like, sometimes you don't know the full story. So, right. <laughs> um, so like stay away from that comparison piece and just look at your situation and talk with a trusted advisor and make sure you and your baby are on task like you need to be. I love it. Yeah. Making space for it to work, how it works for you, I think is something because that comparison yes. is so challenging. Now you've mentioned the family in the village and I'm curious, you know, you're working with moms and babies. How much do you directly work with their support? You know, do you offer advice as well to the partners, to the extended family, or is it through the care of the mom that you're helping empower her to step into that? What's that role look like for you? Well, it's interesting that you asked that because one time when I was talking with one of my families at the hospital about it, one of the grandmas was like, hey, you know, the dads need to be included in, in mm-hmm. some of this um, education, too. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I can have a mom and me plus village equals three. Like, type of case. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So because the village is important and, you know, you don't want to isolate in this time day and time. It may not be a dad or, you know, we have so many different types of families. 
um, how families look a lot different nowadays. And so you don't want to isolate because it could be the dad could he could have passed away or it could be the overseas and it's the grandma that's there or, or the mm-hmm. sister or the aunt. So it's whoever the mom identifies. It's kind of like in the hospital, whoever they give that extra band to. Exactly. <laughs> that's the person that is the support person. OK, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. um, actually, I do um, have an idea to include them into the plan more. So first speaking with the mom about mm-hmm. what would be their ideal, what would their ideal support look like? Because mm-hmm. everybody needs different things. And so then helping them to reach out to their support person, but also giving some education to that person too about what the mom is going through. And so kind of like keeping it like, a, like almost when you're doing family therapy, yeah. it's mm-hmm. almost it's the same idea. You have to include everybody in, but I would always start with the mom as far as what do they envision and how they want to work that person in and then yeah. let them, um, let me help them how they need. Um, Cause I even just came across that there could be, uh, dad or partner or caregiver postpartum depression too. And mm-hmm. I hadn't, I hadn't, that had never occurred to me that the person yeah. connected to the mom uh, so closely too could be undergoing some depression. And then when you think about it, it does make sense. Like the whole, mm-hmm. your whole home life is impacted once you bring a baby. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to go undergo a transition. Even your pet, your cat, right. your dog, wow. like, who's this person? <laughs> It's a whole ecosystem, right? A whole environment is being created. Yeah. Everybody's impacted because it's a change for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I do have a uh, desire to make sure because oftentimes as women and moms, we are worried about everybody else connected to us. Right. You know? And so um, and so part of that self-care sometimes for us is make sure everybody around us is OK, too. Mm-hmm. And then that balance of, OK, I need to choose myself, but I'm, I'm really, really still only going to feel OK if if the people connected to me are OK, too. Yeah. You know, be settled. And, it, and mm-hmm. even as we're, there's a big push for self-care, self-care. And I'm in support of that. You know, we're so interconnected. We're only going to still, it's still going to be a small part of us. It's still going to be thinking mm-hmm. about our kids and our spouse right. and our family. Um, and, and knowing that they're okay too makes us kind of give a little bit of a sigh of, okay, well, now I, I really feel okay to focus it on myself. <laughs> yeah. And just that capacity too, to teach people how to ask for help, you know, and what support yes. might look like. That is yes. something we haven't often learned. Yeah. Really it, and it's because, it, and that stems so deep in the psyche for so many different reasons, for so many different cultures, especially mm-hmm. like growing up as a, as a black woman um, in the country, you know, you're, it's almost like you're taught like the strength, what strength looks like is like, that is not asking for help and shouldering mm-hmm. everything because is trying to show that there's no weakness. Right. right. And, and is reframing that is actually takes a strong person to say, I need help or this is too much or I need to take a break. And that's OK, mm-hmm. too, because it's living in your moment and in your truth. And then if you if there's something where you do need to push on, maybe there's that other person to say, well, hey, let me help you walk a little further, you yeah. know. Yeah. And again, back to that community um, is, is, is so important. But mm-hmm. I've learned for the sake of mental health, it is important to to be able to talk to someone about things and and to check in on people. Um, and as we see with um, the recent suicide of Chesley, yeah. you know, like uh, 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 that poem you posted, um, mm-hmm. 
And and that was so beautiful because it's true. We are we're looking, we think things look a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 it's really the people who appear to have it all together that actually have a most inner cry for help. They've worked mm-hmm. the hardest to look like they had it all together. Whereas mm-hmm. people are just like, this is this is me taking how it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, real. they telling you they struggling, they they keeping it real, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we just need to work on more realness as a country yeah. in general and, and, and each person make a commitment to themselves to be, to live in their realness and, mm-hmm. and, and don't worry about what the other person might think about that. There will be somebody that'll identify with it and connect with you and say, Hey, I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's checking in on each other. Right. And so you're opening up that space to do this. Yes. It. Yes. It's so important. Like I, I'm part of the postpartum support international um, group and I, my heart goes out to a lot of these women who are who are struggling and I've taken to praying for them every morning because mm-hmm. I just I just want them to know it can be okay you know mm-hmm. and that that someone does care out there yeah. like it might be in Georgia but you might be in New Jersey but I care mm-hmm. I really do <laughs> and I'm yeah. hoping that somewhere somehow some way I could help them you know you know we're hearing it in so many ways and I'd love for you to bring it all together and let us know how you see yourself for the health of all things. I see myself as a person who understands um, that we're all connected and we all have a shared desire to, to live our best life and, 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 and how we're all exploring what that looks like for us. And, and we should respect each other in our journeys um, and be willing to to help lend a helping hand if we can, because we never know when we're on the other side of it. And I've definitely been blessed by people taking an interest in my life who had no reason to just other than they also just wanted to be a part of of doing some good. And so I want to help moms and babies because it's the foundation of everything. Right. Like it's that cycle. You have the mom who have the baby who grows up and and becomes a family and if, if boy or girl we all can continue to impact one another. And so it's important to recognize that impact. I love that. So glad and grateful for the work that you're doing. And that we got to spend this time together here today on the birthday special. So everyone where they can find you both locally, you know, in Atlanta and virtually. Okay. So I am in uh, McDonough, Georgia. I currently work at Wellstar Spalding. Uh, Mom and Me is launching soon where I'll be able to actually start taking in uh, patients and moms and families to help. Uh, right now, they can find me at Dr. J- um, at Jess Daigle, sorry, on Facebook and at Mom and Me underscore MD on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, I have a... Um, uh, five ways to reduce overwhelm uh, PDF that I like to share with family. So I'll give that to you then oh, and click on, on that and, and have that. So just some five tips to, to just kind of take a pause and breather and enact some quick things that'll help them kind of get over a little quick bouts of anxiety, especially mm-hmm. as a new mom. I love that. Well, thank you so much. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. And this podcast mm-hmm. is coming out today, 1st of February. 2022 season four birthday number 38 birthday number 41 <laughs> and you know for musician as well rocking it out so what is on the agenda so tell what are you gonna do for fun today to celebrate 
Well, um, I'm going to be rounding, um, but also um, I'm just going to do what you love, right? Being with those yes, babies. I like am. It really is love it. for me. I do love, I do love it. And um, it's, it's fun to do what you love as work. And then that way it doesn't feel like work. Like they say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to relax. Um, and I like to read and watch movies. So I might watch, I always, I thought about watching that um, new James Bond movie, No oh, Time, yeah. whatever. So <laughs> check that out today for my special day. But other than that, just taking it easy. Um, I, I'm recommitting myself to to my own health and wellness. So, so I went for a walk this morning, um, just trying to ease back into some daily exercise and things like mm-hmm. that. So just just making plans for how I want this year to be my best. I love it. Living by example for your patients and clients. Uh, well, thank you so much. Happiest of birthdays. And we look forward to seeing you. how Mama Me continues to grow. Yay. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.